of our series on 1 Peter. Last week I sort of tried to take a step back and just say, well, what's the big picture here? What's Peter trying to tell us? And I come across sort of sort of two summary statements that I think sum up 1 Peter. They are contradictory, though, when you first look at them. So let's have a look at these two statements. And the first one is, because God cares for us, our difficulties increase. But also, because God cares for us, our anxieties decrease. Remember, Peter's writing to Christians living in what is now modern-day Turkey who are facing persecution for their faith. However, the message in 1 Peter is those who faithfully follow Jesus will face difficult times, but we can be fully assured that those difficult times do not need to be wasted, that God still cares for us, and he has a purpose. And because of that, our anxiety levels go down. And when difficult times come, we don't have to be overwhelmed because we know that God is helping us. So because God cares for us, our difficulties increase. But because God cares for us, our anxieties decrease. And as I was pondering this, I had to come across the story of three friends in the Old Testament. I'm sure you're familiar with the three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And the story I was reading was their encounter with the fiery furnace. They would not bow down and worship the statue of the king. And so their lives became incredibly difficult as the king pronounced the judgment and that they would be thrown in the fiery furnace. But their response to the king was remarkable because they said God can save us, but even if he doesn't, he has a purpose. And their anxiety levels went right down. I thought, though this is a bit extreme, and also we know that everything worked out well for the three friends, though it's a bit extreme, it's similar with us. Because we choose to follow Jesus, sometimes our life will be more difficult. However, because we choose to follow Jesus, our anxiety levels can drop right down. And that's what we're going to be exploring today when we turn to our passage in 1 Peter. Just the one verse today, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And straight away, even if I wasn't going to preach on this, you'd be assured, wouldn't you? You'd be encouraged to know that God does uh, want us to give all our anxieties to him because he cares for us. My hope is that as we unpack this, as we look into it, we'll be even more encouraged. Three things we're going to look at today. Um, First of all, the nature of anxiety, what anxiety is. The second thing we're going to look at is God's care for us, which is wonderful. And the third thing we're going to look at is actually how do we remove anxiety? How do we cast our cares or anxieties on God? So, first thing, uh, the nature of anxiety. What is anxiety? Well, the original Greek word that's used in the Bible, that's translated anxiety, has at its root the meaning of to divide or to tear. Anxiety divides us. It tears us from the here and now. And we see this on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses one of his many illustrations, and he says this in chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? 
don't worry, don't be anxious, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus then describes how the birds of the air are fed by God, and he describes how wonderfully clothed the lilies of the field are. Then he finishes with this, Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of it to its own. You see what anxiety is doing? Anxiety is trying to make you worry about something in the future so that you do not enjoy the day, that you do not enjoy God's blessings today, or deal with the issues that have to be dealt with today. It divides. So from the Greek word we learn the meaning of anxiety, but the English word is also very interesting. The English word, its root is to choke or to throttle. And it's true, isn't it? If anyone here, I hope nobody has, but if you've experienced a severe anxiety attack, I've been told it feels like someone's choking the breath out of you and you can't breathe. It's almost like someone's sitting on your chest. Anxiety wants to throttle. And the Bible picks up on this idea as well in the parable of the sower. Again, Jesus tells the parable where the seeds are scattered and land on four different types of soils. And one of the soils is the thorny soil. And what happens to the seed? The seed gets choked. We see this in in Matthew um, chapter 13, verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life choke out God's words, and God's blessings in our life. So anxiety divides us from the here and now, and it chokes out God's blessings. And this is why it's so important to deal with anxiety and not ignore it. Because anxiety divides, and because it chokes. Now before we move into God's key, which is a wonderful thing to to think about, I want to consider the benefits of anxiety. And you might be surprised and think, well, I'd love a life with no anxiety, no worries. But God has factored in to the human condition pain to get our attention. Let's look at physical pain first. We'd all love to have no physical pain. But imagine that without thinking you put your hand on a hot element of a stove. What happens? Pain receptors in your hand automatically start firing and send a, a signal to your brain and a reflex kicks in that moves your hands away before you have a chance to think. Faster than you thinking, oh, my hand's hot, I better move it out of the way and do so. The pain receptors cause that pain, that, that, um, that reflex. And then afterwards, the pain receptors keep firing. So you think, I better put my hand under cold water. And then once you've done that for maybe three or four minutes, it still might be sore, so then you go and seek medical attention. And that's why God gave us physical pain. What would happen if we had no pain receptors in our hands? That's right, and that's exactly why, because that's what leprosy shows us. See, leprosy, one of the effects of leprosy is, is, is that the nerve endings in the extremities don't work. And so a leper might stand on a thorn, and the thorn might go right into their foot, and they don't feel anything. And that thorn might stay there for a few days, causing a deep infection. Or their hand may sit on a hot stove, and they don't know anything until they smell the burning. 
and by that time all the damage is done. So a number of lepers don't have fingers and toes or even hands are being amputated, not because of the disease, but because their pain receptors are not working. Now it's similar to us at an emotional level with worry. Anxiety can have a useful function. Let's say you lose your job. And because we've got financial commitments, you know, got um, bounds to feed and mortgage to pay, then we become anxious. And rightfully so. That concern is there so that we actually do something about it and don't lower it down on our list. Well, I haven't got a job, can't pay the bills, never mind, I've got, uh, I'd rather go for a run today, you know, I've got to be the friend. And these are not bad things, but if we're not careful, we could put that right down the list and get into trouble. So healthy anxiety serves as God's way of getting us to address issues that need to be addressed. The issue, of course, is when we have disproportionate amount of anxiety. So we might lose our job and we're anxious, but we actually get off our butt and do things. But if we become disproportionately anxious, then it starts to throttle and choke. And we don't focus and we become paralysed. And so what we're looking at today, what I think this verse is dealing with, is when you have disproportionate amounts of anxiety, what do you do with it? Okay, so just there's that balance. And we'll come when we come to the practical side of how to address how to cast our keys, we'll look at that again. But anyway, that's what anxiety is. It has a useful function, but also a very disturbing function. And we're looking at getting rid of the disturbing amount of anxiety. God's here. Now remember the verse uh, is, is lovely and says this, uh, <coughs> cast all your anxiety on God. Why? Because he cares for you. Tremendous, isn't it? But here's the problem. Often when difficulties come into our life and we start to feel anxious, there's a whisper in our ear. And the whisper in our ear is, is this. If God really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen to you. And that's the lie of the devil. And this is, um, in, in some respects this happens to all of us. Whenever major catastrophe comes into our life, even with our Christians, we start to think, well, God, do you love us? He wouldn't let that happen, surely. That's a lie of the devil. And this is a good reason why, important reason why we need to deal with this doubt. Because this doubt will lead to despair and defeat. When difficult times come, it is natural for us to say God doesn't love us. But the Bible is clear. He does. We just need to lean into the promises of his word. And so if we do hear that whisper in our life, when things are difficult, that God doesn't care, then I'm sure if I asked, you'd have some verses that you could tell me. But I've just selected four out of the many verses that we can use to encourage the fact is that even in tough times, God cares. Uh, Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amazing, isn't it? The God who cares for us made heaven and earth. Uh, Psalm 8, verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. And of course there's a reference here to Jesus, but the immediate reference is to God's care for humanity. How special he treats us. Isaiah 49, tremendous verse. This is God speaking. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Well, you don't need to, to be a mother to know that that's never going to happen, is it, <laughs> mothers? Though she may forget, 
I will never forget you. See, I have you engraved. I engraved you on the palms of my hand. Amazing. God has your name engraved on the palm of his hand. He cares for you. And so we have these verses. On one more, Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. Uh, Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. It doesn't take too long for God to count my hairs on my head. Some of us know what the offer might just be me. They're probably follically challenged in this room. For the rest of you, <laughs> God takes a bit longer, but he still knows how many hairs that you have on your head. Um, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And of course, earlier before, we, we were told that God knows every sparrow that falls. And so we have these and many other verses. And so when that whisper comes into our into the back of our mind that God doesn't hear, then we bring these verses to bear. Just like Jesus did. Do you remember that after Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit led him out to the wilderness? And after 40 days, when he was very hungry, he was tempted by the devil. And the first temptation was, uh, turn these stones into bread, Jesus. And with this temptation and each other temptation, Jesus responded by quoting a scripture verse. And that's how he defeated Satan's lies, by using God's word and, and, and quoting them back to the lies. Now, Satan, he often will, will keep going, you know, and so we might say, well, God loves us, and you might say, um, you know, John 3, 16, or, or any of those verses when those doubts come in, but then he might say, and this is another lie that he might whisper, well, even if God does care, he doesn't help you because he's too weak. He's not strong enough to change your circumstances. And again, that's another lie that if we let um, dwell on us, will make our anxiety levels shoot through the roof. And again, there's many scripture verses, but just the one for this one, and that's found in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, one verse earlier than the the verse we're looking at today, something we considered last week. Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6. We humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. His mighty hand that can shield and protect and bless us. This is the one that we cast our fears on. Not only um, does he care for us, does he love us, but he is mighty. His hand is mighty to protect. And just while we're in this verse, notice the role of humility. It's in the context of being humble towards each other and humble to God that we cast our anxieties onto him. This brings us to the final area that we want to look at today. How do we actually cast our cares? How do we remove anxiety? How do we reduce worry in our lives? Well, last week we, we jumped into Philippians to look about the practical side of being humble. This week we're going to jump back into Philippians again to look at the practical side of casting our cares, removing our anxiety. And to do that we'll look at um, Philippians chapter chapter 4. Um, verses 5 and 6. So the context is very similar. Paul is writing to the Philippians and he wants them to uh, reduce their anxiety, to not be paralysed. So the pastoral aim of both Peter and Paul are the same. They're just going about it slightly different ways. And so Paul writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, sorry, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise, isn't it? And here we have the process of how we are to cast our anxieties onto God. It is through prayer, mixed with liberal amounts of thanksgiving, that our anxiety decreases and our, the peace of God increases. Let's have a look at two case studies to see how this works. Now, the first case study is back, in, back to being lost, having lost your job. So imagine you've got a young family, you've just lost your job, you've got mortgage to pay and uh, a family to feed. And so your anxieties levels start to creep right up. In fact, they might shoot up. Now, the Philippians passage tells us, we'll take the God in prayer. Now, is that the normal reaction for most people in this room? I'm sure it is, but it's not always my first reaction, to be honest. Often when the difficulty comes my way, you, you just kick into that, how can I sort this out? Or mild panic, depending, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes it takes a wee while to say, oh, hang on a minute, take it to God in prayer. And we look for easy fixes, uh, and easy fix can be, let's pretend it doesn't happen and it'll go away. It can, some people, the easy fix is to drown their sorrows in drink. You know, when their worry levels get so high, they turn to an addiction. Um, there's all sorts of ways we can distract. Some uh, people will claim one scripture verse, uh, like maybe Romans 8, uh, 28, which is a wonderful verse. Um, uh, God works all things together for good for those who love him. That's a great verse. But you can't just claim that verse and then say, right, God, thank you, and just expect God to um, have someone ring you up on the phone and offer you a job. You know? We need to do a little bit more than that. So what it is to cast this anxiety of not having a job? What does that look like? Well, we face the anxiety, and we may do this in, in the job situation with your spouse, you know, or with other family members, that you face that situation and think, what can I do to make things better? And what must God do to make this happen? And when it comes to a job loss, what can I do? Well, I can put my CV together. I can contact two colleagues or friends and ask them to be referees. I can start looking at the newspaper and online for potential jobs. So I can do the looking. But God's the one who's going to have to get me a job. And so you take all this to God and pray you know, and you say, well, this is what I'm doing with my CV, and, and you know, can you, you know, and you lift it up to God and thank Him for all His blessings in the past. And what you're doing is you are casting your anxieties onto God. What can I do to help? But Lord, you've got to work this out. And while you're praying, uh, an ex-colleague, his name might come to mind, and you think, oh, Jan. And after you pray, later in the day, you may give Jan a ring and say, oh, Jan, you know, I'm looking for work. And you know what I mean? And you just keep going back to that prayer and thanksgiving and praying. And what you'll find is that because you are doing the looking, but God's going to answer the prayer, your anxiety levels will drop down and that will be replaced by the peace of God. It'd be the same with the health. So, you know, my health with the hips is, is, is taking a bit of a nosedive. So, what are some of the things that I can do? I can uh, ask Catherine to help out by leading the worship, you see, so it takes a bit of pressure off me. And there's a few other things at home that we're doing, but I'm praying <laughs> for healing, and I'm praying for a speedy appointment for the specialist. And so my anxiety levels are dropping, and the peace of God 
is increasing. And we all have good days and not good days, but we persist. Second case study um, would be as a church. When I came here nearly 18 months ago, uh, there was a cause for anxiety in that there were no families with primary age children worshipping with us. And that is an age for concern. Um, you know, for any church, we need to have all of the generations represented in there so that we can, um, as a church, flourish. Just because we have the best generation here, is, is a, that's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a <laughs> You know what I mean. So that is a legitimate need to be concerned. And we can say, oh, well, God will sort it out and just ignore it. But no, there's prayer. And we think, well, what can we do? We can try this, we can try that. And then um, Catherine and some finances become available and we pray and it's happened. And that's an answer to prayer and maybe music has started and we have a family now that worship with us often on our team TV service. Now we're a little bit vulnerable that we could easily go backwards quite easily, but so we, so we keep praying. And so we're doing some things and we keep praying. And the only way children's ministry will flourish at St Andrews is if God does a miracle. That's right, isn't it? So what are we doing? So we're praying and we're giving thanks. We give thanks that through Warwick and Liam and the rest of the youth team, we've got this really awesome youth group that's started. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome. You know, we thank God for the mates using. We thank God for the family that's coming. And we keep praying. Individually, in your quiet times, I hope you're praying for this. In small groups and in the Thursday pre-meeting and other small groups we're praying and as a congregation. And soon, I'm sure, we will rejoice because God will do the other part. He will start bringing the families here. So, as a congregation, I know my stress levels have dropped down when it comes to this issue and the peace of God has increased. So you get, you get to understand what it's like to cast our cares onto a God who cares. And again, I'll stress that, you know, a burdened, burden shared is a burden half. And that's very much in the Christian community. So if you've got individual anxieties and you've got someone like a spouse or a, a dear Christian friend or family member you can share, they can help, right? That's a great way to help cast your cares on the Lord. In the same way that as a congregation, none of us are carrying this burden or this worry of no families alone. Um, we're doing it as a, as a, as a family. And so, uh, as we learn, we are encouraged as we pray and hand our anxieties over to God. We learn what it is not to be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we learn to present our request to God. And we pray, and we ponder, and we plan, and we pray until we get to the stage where we have cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us. So let's, let's pull this together, just briefly. Remember I started with two summary statements that seem quite contradictory. Because God cares for us, our difficulties increase. That's not a good selling point for the Christian faith, is it? So you'd be surprised. But also, because God cares for us, our anxieties decrease. And both of these are true, aren't they? Both are true. Jesus himself said that if we choose to follow him, in which we do, praise God, then we need to pick up our cross and follow him. Be very clear that there are times when, because we are Christians, we will face difficulties. But the word of God is equally clear 
that there was great reward and blessing when we cast our anxieties on a God who cares for us deeply. I want to finish with this um, passage that I, that I sort of stumbled over in my research and it's just the more I think about it, the more I enjoy this passage. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, and of course we know she never will, but though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. What an amazing God. I mean, it's just tremendous, isn't it? This is the God who cares for us. This is the God to whom we cast our anxieties. Thanks, Father.